Quick, um, before we jump in, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, um, but I just want to take a quick second and thank um, last week, uh, we, it was sort of a curveball for us, and we were able, um, just because of some amazing hard work by some of those in the tech booth back there and others, that we were able to get live streaming off the ground and running. Um, and so, so can we just thank them for their hard work and all they do in the tech booth back there? And we couldn't do this without them, so super thankful for them. Um, hey, uh, just, just so you know, now when, when you are gone, you can now tune in to, to, to the live stream, either on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, and so if you don't follow us on YouTube or Facebook, you should do that. Um, I, I would just recommend it. So, um, so, so big news this week outside of that, though. Um, if you didn't hear about it, I don't know how you didn't, but, but if you didn't hear about it, the Texas Rangers won the World Series, right? Are we excited about that? No, just me? Okay, that's okay. Um, listen. The, the, the Texas Rangers have, have been in existence for over 60 years, over 60 years, and they finally got a World Series championship. Um, and I, I tell you, I've been waiting my whole life for this, um, and I, I was excited. My wife is so sick of watching baseball, um, but, but it's all good. Um, that's what you do. You, you compromise. She, she watched baseball with me, and she even high-fived me when they won, so it was good. Um, but... But they won the World Series for the first time in 60-plus years of existence. The whole reason that they exist as an organization is to win World Series championships. That is their purpose. That is their, their meaning um, for existence. And it took them 60-plus years to, to, to get that championship. And so what I want to do today um, from Ephesians chapter 3, uh, as we continue, continue our series... Is, is I want us just to talk about this idea of what is our purpose? Why, why are we here? Why, why do we exist? Um, and, and, and ultimately, I, I want to point to the reality, and this is the truth for today, that the gospel gives us purpose. The gospel gives us purpose. And that's the truth that, that, that I want us to try and unpack a little bit today from uh, some of Paul's story and, and some of the things that he shares with us. And so let me read our passage together here in Ephesians chapter 3, um, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. This is what it says. It says this in verse 1. It says, When I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles... Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed this mysterious plan to me. As you re read, um, as you read what I have written, to, written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are the, of the same body and of the and both enjoy the same promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain every 
uh, to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we, we thank you for your word this morning. Um, we, we thank you for the availability it, that we have with it, um, that, that, that we are able to, in, in the context in which we live, at pretty much any moment of any day, we can pull out your word and we can um, go to see who you are and, and how you have revealed how we should live. And, and so I pray, Lord, over the next few moments as we walk through this passage, um, that, that you would give us hearts that are ready to, to, to hear and receive, um, that, that you would help us to um, just, just not, not, not just hear the words and, and walk out the door and, and there's nothing else. But I pray, Lord, that, that we would hear and we would submit our will to yours and we would live um, live for your glory. And so, Jesus, we need you this morning. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so Paul begins this section of scripture when he says this. He goes, when I think of all of this, he says, when I think of all this, now, now what is um, he thinking of here? What, 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 what is he referring to when he says all this? Well, he's referring back to what he's just spent the last two chapters unpacking. He, he has been unpacking for the last two chapters, and for us, the last five weeks, um, he has been di- displaying to us the reality of who God is and what God has done to draw us to himself. That he's, un- he's, he's reflecting on the incredible extent of the gospel which has been extended to you and to me. This is what he is thinking of when he says, when I think of all this. He is thinking of the the glorious truths he has unpacked about what Jesus has accomplished for us, who we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, as it said in chapter 2. But God was so abundant in mercy, was so abundant in love for us, that he sent Jesus to take the penalty that you and I had owed. He took it on himself, and then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead after being crucified on the cross. And now, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in all of us who would believe. Both Jew and Gentile, those far from God and those near to God, that every single one of us has access to God through the gospel of Jesus. And this is what Paul is referring to. He says, when I think of all this... He's, he's reflecting on these glorious truths that he has unpacked here in the last two chapters. In the last two chapters. But he says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of, uh, of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Paul is in prison as he is writing this letter. And, and he has this moment where, where he has an ADD moment, right? Anybody ever been in the middle of a thought and, and all of a sudden you are, are on another train of thought altogether? Anybody else? Every parent in the room is like, when have I not had a thought interrupted, right? Um, but, but this is what Paul happens here. He, 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 he begins this thought, when I think of all of this, but, but he doesn't actually finish his thought there until verse 14, which we'll get to next week. 
And so he goes on this tangent here through the next little bit. And, and, and what I think he is doing and, and what he is writing here in this, in this tangent that he goes on, is he, he's, he's reflecting on the privilege that he has, the privilege that he has been given, the, the, the purpose in his own story, the meaning that God has given to his life through the gospel. The purpose and meaning God has given to him through the gospel. Because he says this in verse 2. He says, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Listen, I told you about this earlier in verse 3 is what he says. That, that, that you, as you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but he is now, but now by his spirit, he's revealed it to his apostles and prophets. And so, so Paul is, is saying this. He goes, listen, this is my reason for existence. This is why I'm here. I have been given purpose and meaning through the gospel. That, that, that my purpose in the gospel is to reveal the truth of the gospel to everyone, even you Gentiles. That this is why I am here. And this is what he says in verse 6. He goes, he goes and, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the same promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. I love um, what Eugene Peterson says in his translation of this in the message. Um, he, he's a pastor, author, and I love, I love how he, he writes this. Look what, look what he says here. Um, I think it's up on the screen for you here. Um, God's plan is, is what it says. It says God's plan is, is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, the same help, the same promises in Christ Jesus. The message, the gospel, is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. But this is this is incredible. I, I love that. I love his translation of that. That that those who are are, are are far from God and those who have been in church their whole lives, that they have access to the same God and the same gospel. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your present. It doesn't matter your future. God has given everyone equal access to him through the cross of Christ. Then this is good news. And this is, and this is what we talked about last week. And, and, and if you didn't get it last week, basically what we said is, we said the gospel gives us belonging. The gospel gives us belonging. That because of the gospel, that the, the church is to be a place where everyone feels welcome, a place where everyone can belong. Because sometimes people have to feel like they belong before they can believe. And we want to, we want to create a, a place of belonging. We're not going to compromise on what God's word says. We're not going to compromise on, on scripture and, and, and the teaching of God's word. But, but we are going to say, hey, everyone is welcome here. We love you. We are for you. And the church has to be this place of belonging. That, that it is because of the gospel that when we were once enemies of God, when we were once far off, when we were once outsiders because of our sin, Jesus came and made a way for us to become insiders. And so now we want to extend that same grace to every single person 
in every place around the world. That we want to be a place of belonging because that is what has been extended to us. That's what's been extended to us. We have been given the purpose of being conduits of God's grace and love towards others. I think the danger, though, for many of us is that we can become dull to this incredible, powerful truth of the gospel. That that, that we can become so familiar with the the gospel that we think we don't need it as much anymore. That, that, That we can lose sight of the incredible miracle that took place when when we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, as it says in chapter two, right? As we were once dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, God went to great lengths to, to redeem us, to make us spiritually alive with Christ. And we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight of that incredible miracle that has taken place. And we can now think, well, well, I'm good. I, my, my, I, I, I'm a good person. I, I'm living my life for the Lord and we can lose sight that our, our purpose is not just simply that we are good. Our purpose is that we are now to extend that grace, extend God's love, extend his mercy to those who don't yet know. That this is why we exist. This is God's plan that we create belonging, that people are not our enemies. Like I said this last week, and I'm going to probably say it a bunch more times before this series is over, but, but people are not the enemy. Even if they, 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 they live contrary to our life, even if, even if they view the world completely different, even if they hate you, they, we, we cannot see people as our enemy. We have to see people as maybe captive of the one true enemy. Like Satan is our only enemy. I don't, I don't care how somebody votes. I, 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 don't, I don't care how somebody lives their life. They are not going to be my enemy. I'm going to love them, even if they hate me. And this is, this is, our, this is what we do. This is our purpose. This is our purpose. And then Paul goes on as he unpacks God's plan. He, he, he begins to dive more into his role within that plan. And, and, I, and I think we can, we can take some, some things from it as far as if this is Paul's purpose in God's plan, then, then maybe we can learn something about our purpose in God's plan. In verse 7, it says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege, the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Paul doesn't see the spreading of the gospel, spreading of the good news of Jesus as an obligation. He sees it as a privilege and in the service of the one true king. Verse eight, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege, there's that word again, of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain everyone to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. That God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. <clears throat> you see, Paul sees his life purpose as the, ex- ex- the advancement of the good news of Jesus to everyone everywhere. 
that Paul says, this is why my life exists. This is my purpose. This is how I will pour my life out. This is my life's work that everyone, no matter their past, would know that God loves them and he made a way for them to be reconciled to him. That this is why I'm here. And, and, and I'm especially been called to go after those who know nothing of God to begin with. Who are far from God. This is who I've been called to reach. This is our purpose as followers of Jesus. This is why we exist, to extend the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible. Listen, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what, your, uh, what, you, what you get paid to do. It, it doesn't matter what, 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 if you have seminary training or not. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much of the Bible you've memorized or not memorized. It, it, it doesn't matter how equipped you feel. All that matters is that you understand that this is what you've been called to do. I love how, let's go back to, to what Eugene Peterson said in the message. I love how he translates this part as well. And look what it says here. He says, um, this is how he translates what Paul says. He goes, when it came to presenting the message, the gospel, to people who had no background in God's ways, I was the least qualified. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says, I, fi- I was least qualified of any of the available Christians. <clears throat> God saw to it, though, that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. Listen, every single person in this room feels ill-equipped and, and, and out of sorts when it comes to taking the gospel to people. All of us feel, I, I, I feel uncomfortable with it. I feel like, man, I don't know that I should be doing this, God. Like that is a natural feeling, but it's not a feeling that is real. That God will not call you to something he will not equip you to do. That if God calls you to, to, to step into something, he will equip you to do it. Now, it may not go the way you think it should go, but God has especially equipped you to do exactly what he has called you to do. You see, God, like, like, and, and I think a lot of this comes out of a comparison game, right? Like you start looking at other Christians around you, like, man, I, don't, I, wish, I wish I knew the Bible like that person. Or, or hey, I, I, wish I, could, um, I wish I could ask questions like this. Or, or I wish I had more boldness like this person. And I think that that's okay for the most part. But, but here's the thing. God has not called you to be or do what that other person is called to be or do. God has specifically given you a mission. He has specifically given you a sphere of influence. He has specifically given you a calling on your life. He has specifically given you people to reach that he has not given me to reach. That, that, that your calling is unique to you. And God will not call you into something he will not equip you to do. That you are not supposed to be someone else. That doesn't mean we don't, we don't study and we don't, we don't work hard and we, we don't train to grow in our, in our skills. We do, but, but at the end of the day, we do what God has do, given us to do no matter what our skill set is. <clears throat> and we move forward. You see, we're not called to be someone else. We are called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful where God has placed us, in the sphere of people that God has placed us in. This is our calling. I think 
recently I went to a conference back in May and it was just, it was, it was good timing for our family. And one of the things that they talked about in this conference was, was living the life of a faithful nobody. Living the life of a faithful nobody. That, that at the end of the day, our calling is, to, is to, to be faithful to what God has placed in front of us and assume that nobody will ever know our name. And, and, and this just really resonated with me, so much so that I came home and, and I wrote it on a note card, live a life as a faithful nobody, and I taped it onto my office wall right above the desk so I can see it every single day. And I say, and this is, this is a value I'm trying to live my life. I want to just be faithful to the people God has placed in front of me. I want to be faithful to point them to Jesus, faithful to love them well. I want to be a faithful nobody. And this is what I believe God has called each of us to. That we be, would be faithful to the people God has placed. I, I think it begins in our home, right? We want to be faithful to, 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 to point people to Jesus that are in our home. We want to be faithful in our neighborhoods. We want to be faithful in our workplaces. We want to be faithful wherever God has placed us, living the life as a faithful nobody. I want to share some examples with you from history. I want to share some examples with you from history um, as, 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 as I kind of wrap this up for today. The first, the first example that I want to share with you is a guy named Edward Kimball, okay? A guy named Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was a carpet salesman from Boston. He's got high aspirations in life, right? Slinging that carpet, right? Um, he, he was a carpet salesman in Boston, um, and, and he was also, simultaneously, he was a Sunday school teacher at his local church. He was faithful to, to teach um, teenagers um, God's word every single week. Just this normal, ordinary carpet salesman from Boston. And, and there was this kid that would come. This kid that came, and, and he would come, and, uh, and he didn't really want to be there, right? Like, I think we've all had experiences with, with teenagers that maybe don't necessarily want to be at church, Right? But, but this teenager was made to go, and, and I think that that was a good thing. And, 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 and as he was being, as he was, as this teenager was being made to go, it, Edward Kimball would be faithful to tell this teenager every single week, God loves you. He's for you. He laid down his life for you. He loves you. Edward Kimball was faithful to point this kid to Jesus over and over again. And eventually Edward Kimball leads this kid to Christ. This kid comes to faith in Jesus. And while you maybe have never heard of Edward Kimball's name, a name you maybe have heard of is D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a pastor and preacher who led over a million people to Christ. He was, Edward Kimball is a faithful nobody who took up the call to teach teenagers about the love of Christ, even when they didn't want to be there, even when they didn't want to hear it. And he was faithful to invest in these teenagers week after week after week. There's another guy I want to tell you about named Robert Eaglin. Anybody ever heard of Robert Eaglin? No? Nobody? So, so Robert Eaglin was a faithful church member. Um, he was faithful to be at his church every single week. 
And in one, one Sunday, um, the, the, the pastor who was supposed to come in and speak for their church that week didn't show up. Um, and so Robert Eaglin, believing in God's word being taught and being read, um, decides that he's going to stand up and he, and he stands up to, to proclaim God's word. Um, you can actually go online, you can Google his name later and, um, and go look up his message. It was real riveting. Not at all. It was, it was incredibly boring if you had to go read it. Not a lot to it. But at one point in his message, he, he looks out in the crowd, and there was only 12 or 15 people there that day. And he looks out in the crowd, and, and he looks out at a young man, and he says, he says, turn your eyes to Jesus and be saved. This young man takes that, goes home, and, and, and God used that to spark in the heart of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, belief in Christ. That, that this Robert Eaglin was just trying to be faithful to what God had put in front of him. So if I'm ever not here, one of you better get up and speak is what I'm saying. He was a faithful nobody. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was one of the, I mean, people are still studying his works and his writings in seminaries to this day. Incredible ministry in London. Okay, one last one here. How many of you have ever heard of John Allen Chow? John Allen Chow. Nobody. Now, now John Allen Chow, those were older examples, right? But John Allen Chow was born in 1991, only 32 years ago, right? John Allen Chow, 32 years ago. I get maybe not hearing Robert Eaglin or Edward Kimball, but, but this is, he's only, he's only few years ago born. He graduated um, college with a bachelor degree in exercise science. He was the manager on his soccer team. Not even, he didn't even get to play, he just managed it. After college, he took a job marketing beef jerky. I'm just saying, you could have worked for Chick-fil-A or something, man. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're, you know, if you're gonna be a marketing, I mean, you're, you're marketing dried out meat. Um, it's okay, it's funny, um, but you wouldn't think that that his aspirations in life were very high. Um, but but he did begin to take some mission trips, different places around the world, and and then through that, God grabbed a hold of his heart. And he heard about an island off the coast of India. It's an island where, where nobody was supposed to go. It was against the law to go there. They, there's, there are tribal people who, who they want to leave untouched from the world, untouched by modern technology. Only around 200 people live there. It's the North Sentinel Island, North India. And when John Allen Chow heard about these 200 people who were going to spend eternity separated from God, he decided to give his life to go and advance the gospel to them. Even though it was dangerous, even though it was against the law, he couldn't shake it out of his mind. And so he goes and he, ha he has to be sneaky. And so he, he actually writes in his journal that God blinded the, the Indian uh, Navy for, from seeing him approach the island in his kayak. 
And so on, the, on his first trip, he gets there, and, and he gets so close to the, when he gets close to the shore, the 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 the, the, the Sinhalese people come running out at him with bows and arrows, and they're 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 they're, ready, they're they're stringing to shoot. And so he just throws all of his supplies as a as a as a gift to them, just saying, "Hey, I, I, I'm I'm here for you. I'm here to help." And he throws them all on the island, and he leaves because they're shooting bows at him. In some of his stuff, he had actually taken uh, a pair of dental pliers so he could pull out the arrows that they were going to shoot. He was intending that they, he, he was probably going to get shot with an arrow at some point. And he goes and, and he goes back and, and, and then, then he comes back another time. And I, I just want to be honest with you, if somebody's shooting arrows at me on my first trip, I'm probably not going back. I'm out at that point, Right? Like, I'm like, God, I, I don't want, like, I tried. They want nothing to do with me. They're not ready for the gospel. Maybe you can take them the gospel in some other means. Maybe there's another way for us to get that there to them. But, but me going back to that island's probably not the best plan, God. But that's not what he says. He goes back, he gets more supplies, and, and he goes back another day and paddles to shore and, and in order to seem not threatening he stays seated in his kayak and he says to them my name is John Allen Chow and I love you and Jesus loves you as they come out to him listen to the words of God and beginning in Genesis he begins to read the word of God to them declaring to them that there is one true God and he's here to tell them about him and he sees a little boy string his bow and fires it at him. And John Allen Chow, it, 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 it literally shoots through the Bible that he's holding in front of his chest. And he pulls the arrow out and he hands it back to the little boy. Now, he goes back and, and, and he writes this in his journal to his to his family and to his friends. Here's what he said. He said, Brian and Marilyn and mom and dad, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please don't be angry at them or God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever God has called you. And I'll see you again as you pass through the veil. Don't retrieve my body. This is not a pointless thing. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping them, him in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 through 10 states. I love you all. And I pray that none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. And he returned to preach to them one more time. And this time he would never leave that island again in the flesh. He would never return home to his family. but it was not in vain. Different papers wrote about this when this happened. 
different papers wrote about, about how this kid had just wasted his life, that he just should have left them alone, that, that his life was, was meaningless now. But his life was not in vain. John Allen Chow had a calling from God. It was very, it was in front of him. There was, he was compelled by the spirit that this was what he was supposed to do. And his life was now not in vain because now people all over the world, Christians like you and me, we know of the North Sentinelese people, which we never knew about before. And we know that we need to be praying that God would send more laborers into his harvest. Praying that these people would come to faith in Jesus. John Allen's child's life was not in vain. It was, it was worth it. He viewed it as worth it. God alone gets the glory. Soli Deo Gloria. You see, it doesn't matter if you feel equipped or not. It doesn't matter doesn't matter how well trained you've been. All that matters is we live faithful lives to the calling God has given us. Listen, I, I don't think we're all called to go and reach the North Sentinelese people. Like, I, I don't think that's all of our calling to move across the world to take the gospel to someone. Now, now we, we, we will partner with people that do that, absolutely. But, but for right now, God has you in the foothills of Colorado in 2023 for a specific purpose and reason. And he wants you to be faithful where he's placed you. He wants you to be faithful in the sphere of influence of, that he's given you. That we are called to be faithful nobodies, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever training we have, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, that we proclaim Jesus alone. This is what we are called to do. This is, this is the Paul's purpose in life. This is our purpose in this life. This is why we are here. And I love how Paul ends this in verse 10. He says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church. That's you and me. To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God uses things that seem foolish in the world to shame those who think they are wise. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. He says, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised in the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. The church, we, we are small and insignificant in the world's eyes, that, that you are small and insignificant in the world's eyes, and yet God in his ultimate unlimited power and wisdom chose us to advance the glory of his name to everyone, everywhere. 
Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. And he uses things that seem foolish to shame the wise. And so the question for today, the question for today is, will you take up the call of the faithful nobody? And nobody may ever know your name, but will you be faithful to to love and advance the name of Jesus to the people God has placed you with? Will you take up the call? Because the gospel has given you purpose. The question is, will you embrace that purpose? If you bow your heads and close your eyes today. As the band comes up and and as you just have a moment here just to reflect and to think. Who has God called you to? Who has God placed in front of you? Who is that person right now that you know that God has called you to love and serve and pour yourself out for? Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend or a neighbor. Jesus, we just confess that we need you today. We need you to to work in our hearts and our lives to help us live our lives with boldness for you. Lord, you tell us in your word that that, that even that, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those who would believe that, that that's what you tell us in your word. But I pray, Lord, that we would live as if we believed that. That we would live as if we believed the power of God was actually at work in us and through us that you haven't called us to something that you won't equip us to accomplish, that you haven't called us to something that that, that you won't do and work in and through us, God. Lord, you've given us all a role to play as individuals, but you've given us a role together as a church. And I pray and I ask that, that, that in your unlimited mercy, in your powerful grace, that, that as a group of believers together in this room, that we would shine bright so that the foothills would know that you love them. And that we would be faithful nobodies in the day in and day out, in the boring, mundane, everyday stuff of life so that everyone everywhere might know your Jesus, we need you to move through us. Help us to live with this sort of boldness. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.